today on the Button Up Podcast, we have Alex Costa. Great to chat with you today, Alex. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good to be here. Excellent. And now I heard part of your story, I'm influential, I've caught up on your YouTube channel and everything, and I definitely want to get into your early days on YouTube as a gamer and as a non-English channel, but some of my most interesting things I like to hear about is like, where did you start and and what happened before you got on YouTube? Before YouTube, um, I tried everything. (laughs) Basically, you know, my first job was at Domino's Pizza making pizzas and answering the phone. So I did that for about a year. I worked at Subway. I worked at Best Buy. Um, I worked driving trucks and delivering uh, landscaping materials. So I've done it all. Um, And then as I was doing that, I actually went to college for criminal justice. Somehow wanted to be a lawyer. Not sure why today. And um, during that, I also went to EMT school and became an EMT. And um, while doing that, I was a pretty big video game player. So I played a lot of video games, which was Awesome at the time. I played Call of Duty mostly. Um, so not. I guess I wasn't really a gamer. I was just a Call of Duty player. That was just the only, the only game that I played. Which Call of Duty was it? I started with Call of Duty 1. Yeah, so I started all the way in the beginning. Um, but I started making videos with Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare. So that game was really... I think it was kind of like where Call of Duty blew up um, and became a really competitive uh, game. And a game that was also really great at exposing new talent on YouTube. Um, and I didn't really know that until I kind of started making videos on YouTube myself. So yeah, I started editing and making videos in the back of an ambulance when I was, you know, when I had some time off, um, when I was an EMT. Uh, so when I wasn't on calls, I was editing videos, making videos, watching videos, thinking of new ideas. And the reason why I was making Call of Duty videos is because I wanted to play competitively and, Um, since I was playing with all my Brazilian friends, we didn't really have a place to play. So I started my own esports website, um, in Portuguese and to kind of advertise that I decided why not advertise it on YouTube and teach people how to play call of duty competitively. So then they'll kind of be interested in that and go to my website and play there. So it was YouTube for me was really just a means of advertising my, my website in the beginning. But for some reason, uh, people just enjoyed the way that I talked and presented my content. And, you know, gaming back in the day, there was no face cam or anything like that. So it was just, it was just my voice, which was really interesting to me that people actually liked it and liked what I had to say about a video game online. Um, so the YouTube part of it stayed and the website part of it kind of went away because um, I just had more fun doing YouTube. And I can continue doing that for a long time. Had you always thought of yourself as like an on-screen personality? No, not really. Um, yeah, I never thought I'd be doing that. It was more of a, like I said, a means to advertise a business that I had started. Um, I was really passionate about the game itself. So it was more about that than anything else. And then, um, I mean, earlier, like when I was young in Brazil, I, I did some modeling. But, you know, I was nine or ten, so... It wasn't. I was on TV for a few commercials and stuff like that, but it wasn't really anything related to to YouTube. When you had the website and then your YouTube channel, which initially was to market the website, were you like making money, or were you thinking this could be something I can make a living off of, or was it more of a a side hustle, passion project? Um, 
I mean, to, for me, it really goes hand in hand. Anything that I'm passionate about, I want to make sure that I explore in a way that I could possibly benefit financially from it because there's always opportunity there if you're passionate about it. So I was really passionate about it, but I definitely saw an opportunity to start something new in Brazil that hasn't hadn't been done before at the time. So this website was doing actually really well. So I would basically charge people to be part of a uh, weekend tournaments and then I would give out a cash prize to the winners. And yeah, we had thousands of of um, participants and all the best teams in Brazil were playing at the time. Um, I would actually cast the game myself um, and live stream the whole tournament and everything. So it was, it was a lot of work, but it was really fun. Um, and I definitely saw um, some really good income coming from it, but it just... Being, I don't know, being on YouTube was just, I really loved doing that. So I kind of, that's what stayed and that was what was special for me in the end. Okay. So for a while you, you kind of transitioned to YouTube, but still focused on gaming. Mm -hmm. what, what happened in the meantime, I guess, to bring you to where you are today? I guess a lot probably yeah. happened, but maybe you could walk us through it. <laughs> sure. I lived in Brazil when all of this started and then I moved to the U.S. Um, I already had my channel and... You know, all my content was gaming, all my content was in Portuguese, and it was weird for me being in the U.S. and doing all this content for all my audience in Brazil. You know, it was it was fun, but at the same time, I couldn't really share with my friends here. I couldn't really share with anyone I met here because, first of all, they wouldn't understand any of it. Um, and then I kind of, you know, started moving away from Call of Duty and started doing other games and just fell out of love with the whole gaming industry. Um, at this time, I actually worked for a multi-channel network in an MCN called Machinima here in LA, and that's why I moved to LA to host um, a few gaming shows for them in Portuguese. So I was a host in front of a camera now, uh, talking about video games um, all day, playing video games all night so I could record it for my channel. And it was just too much. Um, it was never really like that much of a passion for me to continue doing it day and night. So it took a toll and I started doing more lifestyle, more vlogs. You know, my Brazilian audience wanted to know what it was like to live in the U.S. and to have American friends and to speak English in my household. So it was kind of interesting to them. So I started doing vlogging and they really enjoyed that. Um, but as you guys know, or you probably, you probably know that the CPM or the income that you make on YouTube on ads, you know, coming from Brazil or other similar countries is really non-existent. So I wasn't really making any money um, doing these videos. And it was just a lot of work for me to not have any type of return. So I was like, okay, this is kind of, you know, I'm tired. I need to, if I'm going to invest all my time into this, it needs to be some, t some type of return where it's worth it for me. Um, so yeah, so I started, I, I, one day I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to change all of this content to English. And I kind of owe this to my ex-girlfriend at the time too. She's like, you should just do it. You know, she kind of hyped me up for it. And, and I, I went for it one day. I'm just like, Hey guys, listen, I want to expand my audience. If I keep doing videos in Portuguese, I'm going to have the audience that I have now, which is 98% Brazil, 2% Portugal, um, which is very limited. So I want to make sure that I have a global audience and also want to make sure that I get some type of return for my time that I'm in investing into this channel, which is a, a lot of time. Um, at the time, so you guys have an idea, I was making four videos a day, um, gaming videos a day. 
So it was a lot of work. And that's how gaming works. You have to kind of just be very, you have to post frequently, you know, at least once a day. Um, so it was, it was taxing for sure on me. And um, I switched one day. I just switched to English, started doing vlogging in English. Some people stayed, some people hated me. So, you know, I lost a lot of subscribers. Like, I feel like every time I posted a video, I lost about 300 subscribers. So it was really, uh, I didn't feel good about my channel for about six months. I, I know I wanted to quit many, many times. Um, negative comments, lots of dislikes, but I stuck with it because I knew that I was passionate about it. And at some point I started seeing um, finally some positivity again on my channel and it started growing again slowly. At that point, were you at like tens of thousands of subscribers? What was, what was about the size? So I had 130,000 subs at the time when I switched. I think I went down all the way down to like 120 something thousand, like maybe 123. So I lost, you know, almost 10,000 subs from what I remember. And yeah, man, it was, it was hard. I don't, you, you guys know how it is. Like when you're taking, and I was doing like Casey Neistat inspired vlogs. So I was shooting all day and I was editing them for about six hours before I posted them. And then I would post them and I was really proud of my work. And then I would lose 300 subscribers and get all this, you know, negative comments and feedback. And it was just... It was, I was just so upset, you know, with, with everything that was going on. But I knew that in the end it would work out where I really hoped that it would. So I stuck with it. Um, yeah, and I mean, I was, I had a hundred between 120 and 130,000 subs for almost two years. Well, that was actually part of my other question though, is at the time too, cause this is even before Casey Neistat daily vlogs. So what were some of the channels at the time that you were like, they're doing great work and I want to do something similar? Yeah. So for me, um, I mean, Casey Neistat was a huge inspiration for me at the time. Um, just seeing what he was doing on Snapchat first. So I started kind of, you know, understanding um, how to work a camera and how to make everything visually interesting to the audience. And I, I, I don't like doing videos in front of the camera, just sitting in, you know, in front of a, a blank wall kind of thing and just talking to the camera. I think there's a place for those when you're talking about something personal when the story behind it is so interesting that, you know, it, it's going to captivate your audience. I like visually exciting things. So for me, seeing Casey do that was like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I want to do something like this. Um, of course, everyone wants to be Casey Neistat and it's really hard <laughs> because he's just so awesome at it and he has so many years behind him of experience. But, you know, I, I, I tried to put my own spin on it and, um, it came out great. I, I really like I really liked vlogging back in the day, but um, the shift actually happened when I was vlogging and people started asking me about my hair and what I was wearing, and that was interesting to me. I'm like, I never thought people would really care or, or like men would care as much, um, especially you know gamers. They would they you know gamers are kind of known for not really caring about that stuff. But my audience was at the age where they wanted to go out and maybe, you know, meet their first girlfriend and stuff. And they looked at me and they're like, you're a gamer and you're into fitness and you dress well and your hair is cool. That's kind of cool. I kind of want to do that. How do you do that? So I started talking about that on my channel. And that's when it really, when I, when I saw that change um, and I started getting new subscribers. That's interesting. That's, that's a really cool transition. And were you, you were still at the um, at the network at this time, like working full time there? 
Yeah, so I worked there for about two years. Um, and then I got hired at Major League Gaming to run their esports programs in Brazil. So I was the director of programming for MLG Brazil. Uh, so we organized a bunch of tournaments um, because of my esports and gaming background. Um, I was able to help them get them off the ground. And then while I was there, I actually got hired by this. Um, do you guys know Twitch? Of course. Yeah, so it's a gaming streaming platform, mostly gaming anyway. And I got hired by Azubu, which was their competitor um, coming from Asia. So got hired at Azubu as a director of Latin America to start you know, increasing their content coming from Brazil. And the, literally the day, like the week I got hired, Google actually reached out to me. Um, and they're like, hey, we like your background. We like what you've been doing. We need somebody who understands YouTube, understands gaming and the, its audience. Would you be interested in applying for a job? You know, and I was like, uh, it's Google. Yes, <laughs> I would love to. Um, but again, you know, it was more like, do you want to try this? Do you want to apply? So it wasn't really them offering me a job. It was just kind of like letting them know that there's a position open. So I was, I was pretty scared because, you know, I, I told them I never finished college. So I, I dropped out of criminal justice to come to L.A. to work for that MCN. So I was like, just so you know, you know, I've never finished college. I'm not sure what Google's policy is. And they're like, as long as you have experience and you can do your job. That's all that matters. So, yeah, I went through six or seven interviews. Um, very intense interviews. Uh, definitely the most intense I've ever had. And, um, you know, when you go through that type of interview, like, you don't think you got the job. You're like, there's no chance that I'm going to get this job. Like, there's no way. But they kept coming back and saying, okay, you got one more interview. Okay, one more. Uh, come into the office now. Uh, meet this guy and that guy. Um, yeah, and I got offered a job to work here in Beverly Hills and start their YouTube gaming team and app. Um, so I was employee number three for YouTube gaming, which was really cool. Wow, that's awesome. What year was that when you started working for Google? 2015. 2015, okay. And so at that point, you know, it's, it's obviously a big company. Everybody has a, an idea in their head of what it's like to work at Google and their office space and everything. Was it everything that people kind of dream of yeah definitely <laughs> it was like yeah. it was like a dream you know um i remember i was in poland for a an esports tournament through azubu when i got offered the job so i'm in poland it's freezing i'm outside like i was in a dinner a work dinner and then i had to step outside because i got this call and i'm like oh man i think this is this is the call stepped outside it was freezing uh it was march and um yeah, she's like, just so you know, you got the job. Um, I just emailed, emailed you all your benefits and package and your offer. Let me know if you're into it. So I'm like super happy, like almost crying outside. And I have to go back to this like <laughs> work dinner that night and kind of try to talk about something that instantly I didn't care about anymore. Um, it was just very interesting to me. But yeah, I mean... As soon as I started, you know, the team was very supportive of everything. Like they came out to San Francisco with me for um, my orientation because you go to their headquarters for two, two days. Um, you learn everything about Google, all of everything that they're working on that they can talk about anyway. Um, and everything about YouTube. And it was amazing. It was awesome. You know, right away, 
I started traveling. I started getting a really like robust network of people, like interesting people, you know, really relevant people in the, in the industry. So it was, it was really cool. And you had your channel going the whole time. And I assume like that's part of the, that was probably part of the appeal um, from their standpoint. So you it kind was. of understood that side, right? Yeah. And it, and it was honestly, for me, I was so scared. Cause like, oh man, okay, I got, I got the job now. I got the offer. And the first thing I asked her when I got the offer is, do I have to give up my channel? Because if I do, then I'm going to have to decline. Um, and that was like the hardest question I've ever had to ask. Um, because I love my channel, but also I really wanted this job. But I wasn't willing to give it up because I just, I felt something special about it. You know, this community that I built, I can't just give it up. I worked so hard and went through so many negative comments while I was going through this transi transition that I wasn't willing to give it up. And they said, that's fine. You can still keep it. Um, you know, I think we need that kind of insight anyway from somebody who's using the, the platform every day. Um, and, and the way I see it is, it's like teaching someone how to drive. You can have a, a whiteboard and you can tell them all about driving and how to do it for, you know, as long as you want. But once you, that person sits on the car, it's, it's different, you know? So you can talk about YouTube, but once you actually have a channel and you understand what, what the feedback is like and what uploading a video um, and editing a video and shooting a video, what it takes, that it's, it's completely different. So I brought something that they didn't have um, to the table, which was really cool. And, and they really liked my feedback and they listened to all of it, which is awesome to be able to have, you know, such a big company listening to what you have to say was, was amazing. So now you are already transitioning away from gaming a little bit on your channel. It, is it helping you creatively to say, you know, like all day you're working with YouTubers in the gaming space, but then at night you're doing your style and hairstyle. I mean, did that really help your process in, in your own channel too? It was kind of, there was definitely a disconnect. Uh, it was interesting because as soon as I started working at Google, I kind of stopped gaming altogether. So I haven't gamed in, in like three years, like I actually gamed. Um, but I understood everything about YouTube and I understood the frustrations that these creators are going through and I understood um, what it took to create a video. Um, and I understood the gaming world, world really well, even though I didn't game anymore. I, you know, I was part of it for so long. Um, so for me, it was great to connect with these gamers and help them out, help them grow. And then also see, I think for me, the most important thing was seeing how well these guys were doing, not, not even financially. And yes, they were doing well financially, but mostly like how happy they were and the network they built and the amazing opportunities they were getting outside of just financial opportunities, just traveling and getting to meet, you know, actors and getting acting opportunities and, uh, you know, working with amazing large brands. And for me, I was like, wow, so this is what it's like, you know, to be, um, to, to have made it on YouTube. I'm like, that's, that's what I want. I want to keep doing this, um, until I get to their, their level. So then while you're at Google, what's the, kind of trajectory or tipping point where you're saying, all right, these guys are making it, uh, you know, maybe I won't be at Google for 10 years. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I already knew that when I joined, you know, I, I've, I had never wanted to work there for, for a, a very long time. Um, I didn't know what that time was going to be like. I don't know if it was one year or 10 years, but I knew that as soon as I could, I would invest all my time on my channel. So 
I did my best um, at work. I never really let it affect me. Um, so I wasn't really like, oh, I don't really want to give it my, you know, my full energy because I know that my channel is going to do well. I wasn't like that at all. I was really good at separating both. So I, I kept a really uh, thick line between them because I knew that I had to be good at my job and I had to, that, that was completely separate from my channel. So I never collaborated with any of the YouTubers that I managed. Um, I never took advantage of any of that because just because it, it would be unprofessional of me. So I, um, and people question me, they're like, why don't you just, you know, talk to these people? You, you have all this network of, of well, very large, like, you know, 17, 18 million subscriber YouTubers. Why don't you talk to them and just blow up? I'm like, well, cause that would be unprofessional. That's, that's not how I work. I want to, I want to do it on my own. And that's, that's what I did. I totally agree. I, I work full time now, but I find that having that mental track then helps push me into doing the best there so that I can separate my time to then go dedicate time to the YouTube channel as well. So I can totally align with that. Yeah. When, when you uh, were making that transition or thinking about that transition, I guess it's always something that you knew, you know, that you were going to sort of build your own business versus working for somebody else. Did you have a specific goal in mind like okay if i can get to if i can get my you know side hustle or my channel to this size i'll leave or was it more of a an organic thing yeah i think it was kind of twofold for me <clears throat> um obviously you know you have to be smart about it like if you're not making money on your youtube channel uh i'd probably not leave google to go make no money um i live in la rent is very expensive <laughs> and i needed to make sure that i was doing okay financially enough to enough to, to get by. And I was really scared because you guys know how hard it is to, to actually, you know, live off of YouTube. Like it, it's, it's really difficult. And it's also not a sure thing, right? You could do all this month and then you could make no money next month. So for me, it was really difficult to get to that point, but I knew I was going to get there at some point. And then also it was a, a passion thing for me, right? So it was like, do I really want to do this? And once I'm 100% sure that I've found exactly what I wanted to do on YouTube and I knew that I was happy doing it, then it was time for me to leave. So once I built a community that was, you know, sizable and, and made me happy enough that I was like, okay, I actually built something here. Let's, let's focus 100%. Then I knew it was time for me to leave. And once I had financial comfort from my YouTube channel, then I knew it was also time to leave. So um, I don't think I left too soon. I don't think I left too late. I honestly, like down to the day, it was perfect. You know, it, it was perfect. Like the day I left, I got a few deals through my manager and I probably would have had to say no to a couple of them if I was still at Google uh, because it was, it was just very time consuming and some of them were even uh, travel opportunities. So for me, it was like, wow, this was perfect you know because there's no chance i would have been able to do all of this if i was still at google so it was i was really really happy with that decision and the timing of it that's awesome man it's good to hear yeah i was actually going to ask you what changed since you left um you know with with how you run your channel so i guess you, you're able to say yes to more opportunities you know travel partnerships has anything else changed um yeah i just take way more time on my videos now you know i'm, I'm like I had to rush a bunch of videos when I was still working at Google because I was shooting them at one in the morning 
and I needed sleep and I was tired um, and I would mess up and then I was too tired to reshoot kind of thing. It was just like, it was too much. It was very stressful. Um, so now if I don't feel like shooting a video today, I don't have to, you know, I'm not in the mood. So why am I going to force something and, and act as if I'm like excited about a video if I'm, if I'm not today, you know, so I'll shoot tomorrow. Um, so my, the quality of my videos have definitely increased. I've noticed a difference myself and I've noticed even in the comments or my friends have told me that oh, your videos got so much better than in the past couple months. And it's because I take my time, you know, I, instead of taking an hour to write a script, I can take a half hour to write some of it. And then I'm like, you know, I'm not that happy with it right now. Let's just let it sit for a second, marinate, and then I'll come back and finish it with a fresh mind and it'll be way better. And it is. So that's the biggest difference that I've seen so far. And then obviously the, tr the travel opportunities, like I'm going to Europe again in a few weeks, um, going to Denmark in May, you know, Coachella, there's also so many opportunities when it comes to festival uh, lookbooks and fashion. Um, and I'm also working on things outside of YouTube that I'm really excited about. Can you share any, uh, any of that? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, very preliminary at, at this point. I'm opening two companies this year. I have two ideas that I want to get out there. Uh, one I can't really talk about too much, but the other one is a, is a hair company. Um, so I'm going to start a, basically I'm doing a limited edition hair product with a known brand right now. Um, I'm receiving the first samples in the next few weeks. Very excited about that. Um, timeline is unknown. <laughs> These things take, to my surprise, like months to get just to get the first sample. So I was like, I'm going to get a hair product. I'm going to make this. It's going to be awesome. And then I sent everything that I needed to the manufacturer. And they're like, all right, we'll send you, we'll send you the first sample in two months. I'm like, two months? I want it now. <laughs> you know, like I want to smell it. I want to see the texture. I'm like so excited. But now I just have to kind of sit here and wait. Um, so probably in the fall is when we launched this limited edition product. Um, and then after that, um, I'm actually doing my own hair company with the feedback that I will be gathering from this first limited edition batch. So I'm going to take it, make it better, make it my own, um, and start my own company, um, with maybe one hair product to start, or maybe a couple or three or four. It depends on where I'm at at the time, but. Very excited for that because there's just, I don't know, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I've always wanted to have my own, my own thing. And like, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, is it merch? Is it skincare? What is it? And hair is something that I'm, I'm passionate about. It, right now, it's what does the best on my channel. It's what people come, keep coming back for. Um, it's kind of what I'm known for. So it just, it was kind of a no-brainer to start here and then see where it goes. I'd also strongly recommend anybody that hasn't watched your, you did two videos on Google that, that I've watched, which is one when you first got the job, how to get your job at Google, and the second one when you left, where you did talk through some of your thought process about that. So I thought those were, were really strong as well, and, and the hair product sounds sounds very cool. And uh, I, being in the industry, you know, some big companies that bring out shirts or sweaters or something, their, their timeline is like nine to 12 months, and so, sounds like you're even being speedier than, than some of the places. But did you also walk away with some really tangible stuff from that standpoint, from influential? Because that seems like so many guys from, especially in the influential space, they, they have their audience and then they, you know, Aaron Marino does T. Shanley. And then uh, you didn't, you didn't, I don't know if you met Sven 
from Gentleman's Gazette. He wasn't there this year, but you know he's got this Fort Belvedere. But you know, taking the knowledge and, and the network that you develop from your YouTube channel and then transitioning that into serving your audience with exactly what they want sounds like a really, a really cool opportunity. Yeah, I think I think it's the next step for me. You know, I love YouTube. I know YouTube very well. Um, I love Instagram. I think it's great. Social media is amazing. But at the end of the day, you're at their mercy. So the other day I was getting, um, I was really happy because I had just started passing. I, I just passed 40,000 likes on my pictures. So I'm like, all right, sweet, you know, 40,000. So now that's kind of like my goal for every picture. And I was getting like 37, 38, 40, 45. And then two days later, I started getting 29, 30, 31. And nothing changed. You know, my content was still the same. So obviously there's an algorithm that changed, you know, something changed in the algorithm. And it's kind of frustrating a little bit because you depend on them. Um, and the same on YouTube, same could happen. You know, right now my channel is doing well, I'm growing really fast, but who knows what's going to happen in, in a month or two or in a year. So I don't want to be super dependent on, on these platforms. I want to use them to reach as many people as possible and spread a message that I'm really passionate about. Um, and then if I can, you know, if I can, if I can sell amazing products while I'm doing it, then great. Um, but I want these products to kind of be, you know, to kind of stand on their own as well. So I want to do marketing outside of just my YouTube channel and, and social media. Um, I want them to be their own thing. So I'm not even going to call them like Alex Costa or anything like that. It's just going to be a hair product that I designed. Um, but I don't want them to be super dependent on my brand. That's very cool. That's a very exciting space too. I know, you, like you said, some of your best videos are, are hair related. How do you think that being in LA or your physical location has helped as you've grown? Um, it, it's helped, to be honest, it hasn't helped that much. Um, if you, like, if I didn't care so much about, you know, just quality of life and going out and being able to have everything um, here in LA, I would probably just move to like, Florida or something like somewhere just cheaper to be honest but I really you know I built my life here so it doesn't really make sense for me to move now but my mom lives in Florida my dad lives in Brazil and the rest of my family lives in Brazil so I'm really far from everyone um, and it's it, it is very pricey to live here but I've made friends and I love the LA lifestyle so it would be really hard for me to move but Business-wise, I think it would probably make sense to live somewhere else, to be honest with you. Um, I can make my videos from anywhere. I can shoot my pictures anywhere I want. And it's cool that I'm in L.A. and I think some shots look better or people um, aspire to live in L.A. someday. And I do get to meet other influencers here. But I, I would think overall it's probably better to live somewhere cheaper. That's a, it's a smarter business move, especially if you're just starting now. I'd imagine that Brazilian brands would probably try and get you down there pretty frequently based on your, you know, coming from there and your size now. So I have not worked with a Brazilian brand ever since I started doing English videos. I'm not sure if people even know that I'm Brazilian anymore. Um, it was it was a really hard break for me. Like I when I started making English videos, it was English like 100%. You know, on Instagram I started doing first caption in English and then. Um, space and like the same thing in Portuguese and then after like a few months I'm like screw this I'm just gonna go full English because 
honestly, if, if a lot of people would see that and be like, well, I don't know what language this is, so I don't know if I can relate to this guy, so I don't know if I'm going to follow him. Um, and English being such a global language, I was like, all right, well, let's just do English, you know, and if my Brazilian audience wants to translate it or whatever they can, but I, I, I want to make this work. So it was kind of like heartbreaking for me to do that. I kind of felt like I was letting them down, down but at the same time, it needed to be done um, for my own career sake. So yeah, I haven't really worked with any brands because of that. But I, I do want to kind of start reaching out to Brazilian brands and kind of reconnect with them. At some point, I just need to make sure that I'm at a size where I can, my, my business can afford that. Yeah, it makes sense. Do you have any uh, tips for anybody who either is just getting into the, I'd say, content creation or influencer game or anybody who's in there but maybe not able to make a full-time living yet? Any tips specifically, uh, especially for YouTube and Instagram? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, a, there's, there's so much that goes into it. I think, first of all, are you doing something that you're passionate about? If yes, then keep going. Um, are there too many people doing it? If so, then what what sets you apart from everybody else? Why am I going to subscribe or follow you instead of this other person? Um, are you consistent? You know, are you going to continue to make videos even though you're not going to get any views? Because that's how it starts. You don't start making views in the beginning. You know, we all started from zero, zero subscribers, zero views. So if that's going to upset you and discourage you from keep going, then um, then don't do it. It's not for you. Are you? Do you have thick skin for negative comments and negative feedback? You know, are you one of those people that will start replying to negative comments and bringing negativity to your own channel? If so, then it's probably not for you. You know, being a public person is can be difficult sometimes because you just have to take it, and it kind of has to roll off your shoulder, and that's it. Um, and then also. Um, you know, what's your end goal with this? Is it to create a network, um, an audience? Is it to make money? Is it to be famous? Is it to become an actor? So I think those are all things that you really have to think about before you start investing so much time. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm just going to make videos. You know, I'm just going to do videos and see how it works. And that was cool back in the day um, when YouTube had just started. I think that's how a lot of people became big. You know, I'm just going to start making videos. And then all of a sudden you blow up because there weren't that many people doing it. But nowadays... Um, there's so many channels out there, so you really have to be different or special to, to captivate a new audience. Absolutely. I think it's a great way to think about it. And, uh, that's one of the real themes that you walk away with after a conference like Menfluential where, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys out there you just have to have the right idea and, and find that niche to really hone in on. So, yeah. And I think that came out kind of negative maybe, but it's not, it's not, it's not what I mean. Like it's a, it's an amazing job and you can definitely do it. You know, there's definitely room for more people. Um, I think it's just go in it for the right reasons and keep doing it. You know, if you're really passionate about be consistent post, if you're going to post once a week, post once a week, if you're going to post twice a week, do it, you know, don't, don't fail your audience. And then also, you know, meet people, reach out to people that you, that are maybe on the same level, the same size, um, and start collaborating with them. You know, and think about how to improve your content. Look at the best. Who's making your content the best? You know, look at that person and then try to make it better. Um, 
I think I think that's the way to do it. I agree. I really look forward to you getting together with Casey Neistat then. Yeah, I mean, I've met him. He's he was really cool, but it it was like I loved him at the time because vlogging, you know, he like revolutionized vlogging, um, especially daily vlogging. But now that I don't do vlogs, and I, I get so many messages being like, hey, why don't you start vlogging again? I loved your vlogs. I went back on your channel and I saw that you used to vlog. Do it again. It takes so much time to shoot a vlog and edit a vlog, and the return is just not there um, for me anyway. Because people want to see how-to videos and tutorials and grooming tips and stuff like that. And th those are the videos that have longevity. Like People keep coming back for that. You know, some of, the, some of the videos that I did last year are still getting views today. And if I do a vlog about my trip to London, only my hardcore audience wants to see that. So it kind of like, again, there's no return on all of that work or there's very little return. So it, it's, it's more of a business thing for me when it comes to that decision of not shooting any more vlogs. Um, so I'd love to shoot something with Casey. I mean, he's, he's got an interesting sense of fashion where he's like, he wears really expensive things, but then he like jumps in the river with it to grab his drone. So he doesn't really care. So I'd love to talk to him about that. That would be really cool. And I think he does it on purpose just to like kind of piss people off. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to jump in this, in this water with my, you know, Louis Vuitton shoes. And then people are going to be really mad and engage with my video and that video will get more views. I swear that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, it's it definitely intentional. <laughs> yeah. The whole like fell off my boosted board, broke my Rolex type thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Alex. Well, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you being on the show. We'll look forward to your uh, hair product releases and all of your future videos. And I'll link to all your stuff down in the show notes. But thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was really cool. Um, anytime you guys want to talk again, let me know. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we'll see you next week.